Welcome to Conscious Conversations, where we aim to inspire deep and meaningful interactions that grow into a community of practice that is committed to healing, resilience, and expansion. We'll be having conversations with spiritual teachers, impact leaders, plant medicine, and holistic health practitioners about spirituality and personal leadership tools and resources and how these can help communities cultivate more harmonious and purposeful lives. I am Mabato Munzi. Join me as we laugh, cry and ponder the meaning of life, the universe and your role in it. In today's conversation, we are speaking to Boka Dutoit. Boka has produced hundreds of hours of TV and cinema material in all genres. His internationally acclaimed series, The Ways of Our Fathers, was the first definitive series on the inner values of indigenous African spirituality. Working with other international authors such as Graham Hancock and Terence McKenna inspired him to write his first book, In the Field of Consciousness. Boka has spent 30 years learning from Baba Credo Motwa. During this period, he designed and built numerous public African temples celebrating indigenous spirituality. Boka is currently working on an international film, Mountain of Love, Journey from Mind to Heart. This book is centered around African consciousness. Good morning, Boka. How are you? <laughs> Hello, Mbatu. All great. Good, thank you. Thank you so much for making time to chat with me this morning. I know you are a very busy man, uh, but you've made the time, so I'm very grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Please tell us about yourself. Who is Boka? Oh, la, la. Uh, well, as you said, filmmaker, writer, creative spirit, energy, uh, very much at play in the fields of consciousness where we stand in this time of our cycles. Very exciting time to be alive. Doing a lot of creative projects, uh, designs. Still love uh, construction uh, design. I really want to finish the mission of building more of the African temples. Temples as in gathering space, healing space, communication social learning space that's the idea and great to have done that first one uh, with uh, Baba Mutua where he was involved in conceptual design and great inspiration in my life but yeah busy as you say wonderful you've always gravitated towards African consciousness you yourself have been through your own spiritual journey what inspired that and how was that like yeah, yeah, that's been a long journey into the spirit world of Africa. Good heavens, how exciting, what a changer it has been in my life. I was introduced into this field by uh, Mama Magaba, a senior healer from the Eastern Cape, uh, on or whilst filming The Ways of Our Fathers, uh, beautiful series, uh, at a very difficult uh, time in our South African climate. But um, yes, Mama opened my eyes, but it actually started way before uh, I was uh, introduced into the spirit world by my late brother who passed away 
and he appeared uh, not only in my dreams, but actually physically manifested. And this was a very scary experience, uh, which resulted then in my parents taking me to uh, psychologists and them not understanding this at all. And I was a rational, level-headed young man. And uh, this was real manifestations of the spirit world. And uh, it's incredible. Uh, the house aid working for us said, listen, you people don't understand about this dimension of life, Africa's vast experience. And to deal with this, go to uh, a cave in the free state, the mother caves, Mutauling, and there you will come to terms with this vision, this experience of spirit you've had. And yes, at that very young age, I lived, stayed at the mother caves with a group of 50, 50 60, mainly Sangoma African women. And uh, my teacher there was a young Zulu lady. I was expecting a wise old man with a beard. And it was a young, young, young Zulu lady. And we couldn't even communicate. But this, this woman taught me more about the spirit dimension in Africa than any book or any other teacher ever could it's by experience, by opening up that energy. And when did you have your first encounter with Baba Credo? Baba Credo, uh, that has, has been a long journey. Uh, I met him first, I think, with Winnie Mandela, strangely enough, and that was, all, what, 35 years ago at a farm uh, where she was consulting him. And we instantly connected uh, there um, and... Uh, did extensive journeys. I think soon after that, some American tour company pointed us to research sacred sites, African sites in southern Africa for a tour, a design tour of spirit. Uh, and from there we connected. Uh, we spent time on that journey at a place called Glassy's River uh, and the Tsitsikama and that beautiful forest and Classy's River is where um, the first uh, Homo sapiens, sapiens or modern humans emerged some 200,000 years ago. And in these caves, we looked at uh, the sediment layers and, uh, you know, it was a, a, like a history wall, a natural history wall giving us uh, a one and a half million year insight into our past. And in these layers, the last, uh, last 2,000 years, it was a very thin little top layer. But in the sediment layers, there was a certain repetitive color. And we asked the scientists what, what this color was, and they said, wow, destruction, cataclysm. And it's about every 13,000 years. And Baba smiled and said, yep, that's our cycle. And... Um, that's where my journey with Baba Mutwa started about what causes, what are this, what is this cyclic consciousness and what is this knowledge that Africa has about this? And he just smiled and said, drew in the sand, he drew a circle and he said, this is Uroboros, the ancient symbol of the snake 
biting its own tail. And this is where we stand in these cosmic cycles. And from there we journeyed, and we followed a certain latitude in the country, the Port Elizabeth Cape Town one, a direct east-west one, and in that he pointed out the twelve huge stone faces in the mountains aligned to sunrise, sunset, and equinox. And that's where we began. And he then, at that stage, was uh, involved with a big game farm. He was living there, and where he had to create some kind of attraction. It was a, a bad financial time for Credo, and I think this is why he accepted that. It's also where he built that huge uh, statue of Nkulmwane. From there, I actually abducted him and said, you're not going to do this Afro-Disney nonsense. Mm-hmm. And he stayed then with me and for a, quite a period uh, before he moved up back to Joburg. And since then, the connection has always been there. And the focus that I had with Credo was on a particular insight that another Nguni Sanusi gave that was published in New York uh, in the 1920s. And that related to that exposure in the caves at Tsitsikama of this destruction and uh, so I actually read to Baba the insight of Mandalanga, the strength of the sun that he gave a hundred years ago, and realized there we know nothing about Africa, nothing. Mm. In fact, most Africans know nothing about Africa. It had been eradicated, that mm. whole deeper spiritual consciousness, cyclic consciousness, and I'd, I'd like to read that bit of Mandla Langa. It was published uh, by Harvard in, this is in 1926 in New York. Yes. And it was The Secrets of Africa. Uh, and it's a comprehensive document, so book on the true history of Africa, which is now starting to reemerge. Uh, all of our histories and all of our knowledge um, has become controversial and contested. And I think we're in a beautiful age now, a relative age, where our consciousness are leaping ahead. Mm. But this Baba also explained why. It is not just some uh, random incident. It has a cosmic significance which links back to the African cosmology, a cosmology that has a long, long history which goes back to Dendera, goes back to Kemet, or now called Egypt, and that reclamation of Egypt by black Africa. Uh, By the way, black Africa, there's another friend of mine wrote a beautiful book on the subject called Black Genesis. Mm. An Egyptologist, an archaeologist, a Belgian chap, where he pointed exactly out in great detail, you know, uh, places like Napta Player, where the Africans measured cosmic movement. But that's just context. But listen to what Manda Langa had to say, and again I say, a hundred years ago. Now, his words were translated by a then-colonial administrator. And Manda Langa only told him this because his heart and mind was not filled with the average European prejudice about the dark continent. 
Ah, so what he said was, man is on a journey, the goal of which is union with the source of his being, the Itongo. To reach that goal, he must first pass through all the experiences the cosmos affords and must shake off all accretions accumulated on his descent from individualized spiritual mind into grossest matter. To do this, he is born and born again, for his physical body dies, as do his lower mental principles. Only his higher mental principles, which are akin with the Etongo, survive the individuality bestowed upon them at its opening. Wow, <laughs> wow. I mean, can you imagine, Matu, this insight, mm. then, of cosmic resonance and of um, born and born again in the physical body and individualized spiritual mind into grossest matter. What does that mean in today's time? How do we make sense of it all, wow. considering what is happening currently just globally yes. and back home in right. Africa? Yes. Well, uh, going back to the Uroboros and where Baba Mutwa smiled with, he said, the snake has bitten its own tail. We have completed a cycle, like we spoke about the 13,000-year cycle. It has completed the cycle. Now, firstly, he speaks, Mandla Langa speaks about all the experiences the cosmos affords. What is that? <laughs> now, we, he explained to us uh, that, listen, this is the 12 constellations, uh, and this is our pre-session, a backward movement through all these 12 constellations. And every constellation has a 2,200-year period. In, in modern terms, they call this, uh, uh, we've just come out of the Piscean era. We are now transiting into the Aquarian age. But to broadly understand this, and this is what Baba explained, is that the Earth rotates on its axis. Mm -hmm. This is the movement. And that rotation on this axis gives us day and night. The second cycle is our Earth rotating around the sun, mm. which is through a year, winter and summer, divided. So day and night in the first cycle, winter and summer in the second cycle, but then there's the third cycle, which is the important one, and that is called the precession of the equinoxes. And this is where our solar system rotates around the center of the galaxy, and this takes 26,000 years. Modern science calls the precession of the equinoxes, mm -hmm. ancient knowledge in Africa, uh, Science has a mechanical understanding, and they were started to find that this is exactly 26,000 years, as, as they had said, mm. African people. But science has no understanding of what it means to have this incredible scientific knowledge in great detail, but what does it mean to us as humans? Uh, this is where Baba explained 13,000 years. You remember that? 
destructive cycle, that cataclysm one. Mm-hmm. Now, he said 26,000 years. 26,000 is a certain formula. We breathe 26,000 times a day. We live an average of 26,000 days in our lifespan, the average 72-year lifespan at that stage. So we have now reached half of the cycle like we had day and night, winter and summer. This cycle, metaphorically, has two sides too. Ascension around the center of our our universe, not the multiverses, our universe, and a a descension around that. Ascension is the fear cycle, metaphorically, and descension is the love cycle, metaphorically. Now, the Greeks claimed, you know, they described the cycle, and also I think what we have, our common knowledge is uh, Hipparchus, a Greek philosopher who studied mm-hmm. in Africa, was the discoverer of this. <laughs> but all the ancient stone circles and all the ancient monuments or temples in Africa were actually designed where they encoded this formula, this movement, which he called Mandalanga de Tongo. And this is how we as souls, energy never disappears. It only transforms. And our human energy is born and born again. And according to Baba, this is the cycles that every soul has to go through, the Pisces, the Aquarian, the Capricorn, all of these cycles that have a definitive value. Mm. A value that was described in Africa, well, we know about 12, 13,000 years ago. The recent discovery of sites like Gobekli Tepe and Karayan Tepe in Turkey, which are very close to Africa now, showed this astronomical, astrological knowledge that existed, very sophisticated, which we currently still don't understand. African place. Mm. And they described there in great detail the cycles of creative cycles and destructive cycles of nature. And this is where Baba then explained the cycle in a bit of a deeper, more heartful way. He said that everything that lives rotates around the life-giving source. And this starts from the smallest scales in our bodies. And this will explain this consciousness, I think, in a different way. Mm. So it starts with our blood cells. Our blood cell in our body rotates around the heart. The heart creates it. It gives birth to it. The heart gives that little cell oxygen. And then the heart, the mother, this life-giving source, sends that blood cell on a journey in the body to go and deliver this oxygen. Some journeys are short. They just go to another organ close to the heart and they deliver it there. The other ones go to the end of your toe and they deliver it there. Then that soul picks up carbon dioxide and brings it back to the lungs where it delivers that. And so it dies. And then the heart, this life-giving source, resuscitates, revives, rebirths the same soul, this energy that never disappears, mm. gives it oxygen and sends it off on another journey. 
And so it has journeys that it does, some shorter, some longer. New souls, new souls come in, they think this is it. They're going to deliver that and this is life. Ah, when they deliver it, they pick up a different energy, the carbon dioxide, and come back to the heart. And when they die, they think this is the end. No, that same soul continues. Now, that's at the small scale in our bodies where spirit starts. And this same formula, rotation around a life-giving source, is the principle of life. And it's got to go through all these experiences. The human body itself comes back and does these journeys. Mm. And this is the story of Heru, the original mm. African energy. Your current project, the film you're recording, Mountain of Love, Journey from Mind to Heart. That sounds like a very interesting story, but more so because as someone who has had different conversations with you, I know that you are very interested in how we go back within, within the heart, particularly as Africans. I'm going to read a, um, a short quote about the heart. It says, The heart is the deepest and most elusive part of mankind. Unless we understand the heart, we cannot understand the real you. I think this is particularly important because we've seen a lot of scientific research around the mind and how it is believed that consciousness lies within the mind. We don't see a lot of research around the heart and the role that the heart has to play within humanity. So just focusing on us as a collective, as Africans, where is the heart of Africa? <laughs> well, we've been, firstly, to start with Africa, what my saying that I remind me is, there's nothing new under the sun. What was, is, what is, will be again. The first thing about Africa, and whatever other people think, feel, say it is, was, or should be, Africa has heart a huge heart, and this heart was shaped by a spiritual connection, a spiritual understanding that goes back many, many hundreds of thousands of years. I think what has happened is, I think, therefore I am. This is what's dominated the world for at least 2,000 years or more. Descartes made this famous, I think, therefore I am mindfulness, as we call it. But we have entered a stage now where I feel, therefore we are, is what is happening. The heart is the first organ in the fetus that starts pumping way before anything else happens. But the heart was reduced in Africa, 2,000 years ago, when the Romans and the Greeks came to study there. And the way they had to do that by reducing the heart was it started off on our own bodies by reducing the feminine, the feminine aspect that rep represents the heart, the feeling, the emotional center. And by reducing the heart, 
it allowed them to reduce nature as our life-sustaining environment to a mere commodity, a commodity that was at man's disposal. Could use it as we see. We couldn't do or attack nature with such savagery had we had the feminine balance within us. So by reducing the feminine, which is a balanced energy and both masculine or the male and female, it allowed us to attack the earth. But then we also, to keep this in place, we divided the heavens from the earth, separated that. And this is where we find ourselves today, in existential isolation. It begins in the heart, the heart and the mind. I think, therefore I am. I feel, therefore we are. This feminine energy. But the feminine energy couldn't be allowed to rise because it wouldn't have allowed us to create what we have in the destruction or the abuse of resources of nature, which is the basis of economy. I love how one can easily see how the masculine could sort of be uh, placed next to the mind and how the feminine energy can be placed next to the heart and how when when those elements are balanced can create a, a wonderful collaboration with balance, uh, being able to rationalize things and yet still tap into the heart, into the feeling, into the emotion, because as human beings, we feel, you know, um, there's the saying that people do business with people. And I think that is simply because of the element of humanity that you find in a person, as opposed to just thinking that people buy into businesses. If people like you, you know, if they feel Mm -hmm. you, then they are most likely to work with you. I'd like you to please just um, share with us how the masculine and the feminine are related to the heart and the mind and yes. how that manifests in our lives. Yes. And when that is distorted, what is likely to happen or what has happened? Thank you. Firstly, We come from an era of mindfulness. We call mindfulness, but it's been heartlessness also. What consciousness is, and I mean, it's one of the hardest questions in science to really define, is that consciousness is happening now, this reawakening, because of a synergy between mind and heart. The heart has been suppressed for a long time. Look at our world, we've been at war with ourselves, our very masculine side. There's not right and wrong here. It's the cycles we go through, but we have now reached a stage where the mind, and if we leave the mind on its own, it's destructive, mm. self-destructive. The mind is a powerful organ, and we will always need that, but without the heart, it destroys And this is where we stand now, close on the brink of destruction. And we need to bring in the heart, and the heart is re-emerging now. And when we speak of the heart, we speak of the feminine. And this is why 
this field of consciousness that we're entering, this renewed consciousness that is awakening everywhere, is driven by the feminine. Mm. We are originally as humans, we are balanced between heart and mind. But and I mean, um, we can see it um, even in corporate spaces, right? Where for a very long time, because of male dominance in the economy, very rash and hard decisions have been taken without necessarily thinking about the social implications, uh, the environmental implications. We've seen um, an increase in, in women being given top positions in global companies, you know, in multinationals. And we see that research also indicates that uh, because women lead differently, uh, they show more compassion, you know, in businesses. Businesses and people perform better. Indeed. I mean, we, have, we were driven by a bottom line of profit. And this is a masculine one, going straight to that point. And we could not allow heart, because that would affect if we had compassion, consideration for other, including nature. We could not go for that bottom line profit, that margin. This is where the masculine was needed, and that's age. But that has led us to near destruction mm. of our fellow humans, exploitative nature of that bottom line masculine drive A to B quickest way possible that flourished but it's no longer we have destroyed so much and we cannot continue that system has eaten itself it is done we cannot continue in that way this is the I think, therefore I am, mm. to I feel, therefore we are, which is led by the feminine. And this is reverberating through every field, that destructiveness of I think, that masculine energy. And as masculine, we have to recognize this. We have to now create space for the feminine mm. to re-enter. And this is happening. It's at the beginning stages, but the corporates, everyone is feeling that. They can no longer just go for that, whoop, straight to the point. Take as much, as quick as possible, mm. irrespective of what. That has driven us to near distinction. We have to now include the feminine, not have to. We feel that. We have to recover as masculine that feminine aspects, which was submerged, drowned. It couldn't surface, because mm. then we wouldn't get to that quick bottom line profit as fast as possible. So the feminine is now not only wanted, but needed by the masculine mm. to restore balance in our bodies, in the commercial fields, in the economy, in our relationship with nature, in our climate crisis, and our global crisis. That feminine has just begun to re-emerge. Mm. Thank God. Thank heavens. And we see the characteristics of the heart in philosophies such as Ubuntu, that is practice um, across Africa using different terms. I mean, in, in, in some areas of the continent, Ubuntu is referred to Umuntu, that is in Malawi and, and Zambia. 
Utu around Tanzania, um, Kenya, Uganda. So Ubuntu as a way of life. Ubuntu, the idea that says, I am because we are. That collectiveness is really the essence of the heart of Africa, isn't it? Indeed, indeed. The form I was speaking about was the original title was actually Ubuntu. Ubuntu, the physical and the spiritual. And this is what, this Ubuntu was what became Africa's vulnerability, heart vulnerability in the face of other nations. And this deep care and consideration, that balance between masculine and feminine, that was a vulnerable state. This is where the world which swung to, I think, therefore I am, to I feel, therefore we are. This is where the Ubuntu essence comes in. It was a word that was greatly abused in the corporate fields and every other, especially in our country during our transitional phase. But there this is the first time that many non-African people were exposed to this heartfulness, this ability of Africa to forgive and even to reconcile. But Ubuntu has gone a one-way street mm. up until now. And this is the revival of Ubuntu. This is the revival of the heart space of feeling. And this is where we stand right now. And this is being led by the three most imbalanced aspects in our modern world, which begins with the feminine, secondly, nature, and thirdly, our cosmic presence. This is the one that's not really understood. Mm. And this is the cycle of time. So it's starting in our bodies. And it's not only the feminine in a gender aspect, it's the feminine energies and being human. That suppression of that feminine, the feeling, we come as balanced human beings into those masculine and feminine. But now is the time to restore to that still middle point of recovering the feminine, recovering our relationship with nature and the earth and the cosmos as we swing over. And this is now reverberating throughout. If we are to survive, be it a hardcore corporate world, mm. the old ways of doing it no longer going to carry us through. We're going to see the breakdown of that. And it's evident, it's happening. Our climate is rejecting stuff. Uh, humanness. But this is back to Ubuntu. And this is Ubuntu is the next great lesson for the rest of the world. Africa had retained that heart. However challenged it was during these times of this hardcore business and to-the-point stuff. But to survive from here onwards mm. in any field is going to call on the balance and restoring the feminine within. Firstly, the feminine and body form that was abused as much as nature was abused. That is being restored. And it's being stood up. And the women have to now go almost to an imbalanced state and become masculine and their energy, aggressive. Go for it. But there's a balance in that. And the masculine responsibility is to hold space for that energy to allow it to surface if we are to survive. And this is happening. I see it happening. And we've seen how at some point women thought they had to be hard like men in order to survive in corporate spaces and, and how that has 
put them under pressure. I think if you, if you have to do anything and not be yourself and feel like you have to, to act in a particular way in order to be heard, in order to be seen, that is a call for disaster, number one. Um, secondly, I believe because of the nature of Africans, because of their principles, their, their philosophy around Ubuntu, it is probably why when people came to colonize, it is, it is probably why it was easier for Africans to find themselves in the positions that they did because they were such humble people. They were such welcoming people. Yeah. Well, the Ubuntu goes back. Ubuntu is not something that can just be taught or given. Ubuntu goes back into a very ancient African cosmology. And this is important to understand what that is, essence of this driving philosophy, if one can call it. It's not a philosophy or a, something to be aspired to, but it's an it's a innate part of being human. And how to have this? It's not something you're going to learn. Let's go and do a course on Ubuntu, and, and we understand this. It goes back to thousands of years of an African cosmological worldview that says that everything in existence, anything in this manifested world of ours has purpose, value, and meaning. Whether this manifested subject is something like animate or inanimate or whatever is seen or unseen, it has purpose and value that's got to be recognized and appreciated. That's the essence of the whole Ubuntu principle. And nothing may dominate control or suppress the other for then there is imbalance mm. and this is where imbalance has now become part of our world uh, which uh, starts in the feminine body. I'd like you to, to expand a bit on that to connect the principles of Ubuntu and spirituality having the knowledge that everything that lives should be respected Nothing gets more spiritual than that. That is the bottom line. That's the bottom line. And this is, this is the innate, the deep understanding within Africa as respect because it has purpose. Mm. It was created for a purpose and a function. Whether we understand, see or don't see it at this stage is not important. If it is manifested in this world, it has a value and a purpose. And this is what made or gave Africa or, or rendered it as vulnerable because this kind of approach, can you understand? Everything has purpose and value, which we accept. We might not like it or might not agree, but it has purpose, mm. whether we see it or don't see it. And this is where it starts. Now, Ubuntu is what is needed globally, not just here, this ancient African value. This is the the African template of our beings, um, is that. But now, that was in such sharp contrast to, be it if we want to equate it in a corporate sense, to we cannot. What is that saying? Let's not be emotional about matters. I think the corporates <laughs> know that one well, you know. Let's be rational. We need to be emotional about it if we want to survive. So please, where are the feminine? If we don't consider this broadly and 
much wider context, we are not going to get there. Mm. So this is whether we like or don't like it, or whether this is happening right now. This is the awakening. This is this consciousness. And it is about bringing heart to mind, finding that balance. Like and everything else in this universe is based on the principle of balance. And this is what the African teaching is, balance. Nothing may dominate or suppress the other. For then we have imbalance. And chaos, conflict will follow and it has followed. So this is why we are returning to Africa and relearning the values of Ubuntu. But it's not about relearning, ah, I've got it. It's about a cosmology, a spirituality that underwrites this. Otherwise, it is just a, a fashionable thing. It's not. It is a way of being. It's a way of being that's been there for many, many thousands of years. And Ubuntu is now... I think the saving grace of our world, but it's um, it's a challenge. But thank God in Africa, that Ubuntu essence, however disguised, has remained, and also the Ubuntu that is in the feminine that could keep that alive, that's to keep that alive, and this is the one that's reemerging. Mm. Of late, we see how through African practices the importance of of ancestors now i'm doing quite a bit of research around ancestral trauma you may call it intergenerational trauma and i find that with how spiritual african people have always been and how they've always believed that because you need to honor all living beings we did not consume more than we needed. African people used what they needed at the time. And so there wasn't as much consumerism as we see now because everything had a value, you know, and everything was valued. I'm also finding that there's a lot of research that confirms how ancestors can impact uh, behavior right now. I've been reading up on internal family systems. Carl Yang has also written quite extensively around the different archetypes and how the ones that came before us, what they experienced, has a way of impacting us in the present life. I mean, the Western world is only getting onto these things now, but Africa has always known the significance mm -hmm. of, of ancestors um, or the significance of treating each being, each person with integrity and with compassion because there's more to that person. So the, the, the spirit of that person exists and they see that. Can you just link that to how Ubuntu has embraced spirituality or, or how in the philosophy of Ubuntu there is a space for spirituality to exist in, in, in that. Yeah. To answer that, I go back to Baba Mutwa's saying of the snake having bitten its own tail. And this is where the ancestors comes in at base level. Spirit starts in the body, in the physical body, not some contemplative philosophy. 
And that in the body starts with the ancestral vibration. And when I say the snake has bitten its own tail, this is the very frontier ends of quantum science research, scientific research. And the very ancient knowledge that exist, existed and exists in Africa about the ancestors are meeting up. There's a, a global revival in the scientific fields of psychology that now understand that we carry in our blood and bones at cellular level the energy of our ancestors. And that in dealing with any dis-ease or uh, dysfunction or issue in our lives, it has a history to it. it. didn't originate in this life form, in this body now. There's been a repetition. And this goes back in your lineage. This is where the ancestral reverence, not worship, worship was a competitive word in the religious context, they didn't worship the ancestors. They respected them like anything else, seen or unseen. And that the Western world has now found that in sorting out issues in our lives, we've got to take it back. Let me give a practical example, and I stick to the feminine. Women that have come from a lineage of abuse that is cycled through generations, manifests a very certain sort of disease, even a cancer, which sometimes can be associated to the left breast. And when you see that, you know this woman, this one standing in front of you, comes from a long line of abuse. Mm. And to deal with this, we've got to take it back. It's not just a quick phenomena that appeared now in this woman's life. Uh, there are no victims here, only volunteers. So this is part of the cyclic condition. So to deal with that, we go back, let's call it in the modern field, regression. This is what Africa has been doing all the way along, the ancestral connection to retrieve that information in order to deal with that problem now. Now, there's things happening now, like they, they call it family constellations, um, all these kind of things. But ancestral lineage clearance is becoming very popular now because it's effective. So we are returning back to the blood and bones, what we carry. And... This is where we are returning to Africa who has many thousands of years of experience and the ancestral fields. And we are now recognizing to really effectively deal with it. Let's take it back. It's not limited to this life and this body right now. It comes from a long lineage. And that we can do this clearing. Again, where Africa has a lot of experience and we see this now, taking them back finding the source of this problem that they are now experiencing, ancestral. So it's in the body, the ancestors we carry in the body. And this is why I said that this division that has happened, the masculine, feminine in our bodies, the religion versus spirituality, nature, consciousness, 
all goes right back to that essential ancestral connections. And that is where quantum physics, the frontier ends of scientific research, and the very ancient knowledge of spirit, ancestral spirit, starts in our bodies, are now speaking the same language. But this is the challenge now, because the snake biting its own tail, the head, quantum science, mm. the new discovery we are making, and the very ancient wisdom creates a circle. And in that void of the circles where humans, or the greatest majority of humans reside, not either understanding quantum physics or the implications of the ancestral fields, and this is where we are now changing over. And this is where consciousness is awakening. And it begins with this ancestral one that was made out as evil, mm. witchcraft, worshipping nonsense. And that takes knowledge. us to the transition from the Pisces age to the Aquarius age, where knowledge is at the forefront, right? And truth. Right. We know now, not we, we've come the Piscean age, and this I go back to the Dendera, uh, the Kemet, the temples, which was destroyed where this knowledge was displayed. The Piscean age, and the Piscean age to the negative side was two fishes, the symbol following, uh, connected with umbilical cord, but already showing you that conflict of duality, masculine, feminine, black, white, whatever. You wanted to sign that. But it was an age of following, and this is the age blindly following, sir. And this was the age that we come out of. We were separated in body, masculine, feminine, with these two fissures, black, white, whatever. We were divided, and we were following. We accepted other people's truths. Mm. This is the Piscean age. But this is a cosmic condition. There's not saying right but we have finished that now we have done that and we are realizing it because of the destruction we're seeing around us mm. destruction not only of nature but our human nature this is where the Ubuntu comes in so we are awakening to this there and we are moving into the age of Aquarius now this sounds all like modern term Piscean Aquarian but this Dendera was created Nine, ten thousand years ago, of exactly understanding this itongo, these conditions that we have to go through in order for our soul to complete this cycle. Mm. And this is Baba's teachings that we are as energy, the saying, the quantum saying is energy never disappears, it only transforms. Mm. Now, that energy in our bodies comes from our ancestral energies. We are standing in front of you here with a mixture of, you can imagine how many ancestors to create Mbatu standing, mm. right, sitting in front of you sure. here. Incredible. Wow. And this was reduced. No, no. We are born now. Take as quick, as much, as fast as possible. Retrieve, go, da. I, I mean, I see the difference in how people who are on a journey of awareness, right, where they become more conscious, they change how they dress, so they become less 
interested in consuming in having the next best thing you know because there'll always be something new tomorrow they eat better so they consume fresh food they have a respect for other people so they care about other people um they might be called hippies but from just being more compassionate and having less f- footprint just on earth they seem to be much better people for me right but they are often the outcast of society can you please share with me your thoughts on the people who think they're running the economy and the people who have chosen to do life differently because things are changing like you said we've moved from a piscian age into an age of aquarius where all living beings are valued right where the people are are working towards having a more balanced life recognizing that even as a man they have their feminine side and to find that in balance and even from a relationship perspective i see how the relationship dynamics are just so different in comparison to normal people in inverted commas you know so there's obviously a very big shift that happens when you start pursuing or at least trying to figure out what else is out there because the old way of life is not working we see it every other night we see that people have been killed in taverns because alcohol is such a big thing in our communities we see environmental issues you know um animals dying the poaching we see the poverty people who are living on the street are increasing so there isn't that care that used to be there historically everybody just wants to take as much as possible for themselves so there's also a lot of fear you know how do we get through this thank you wow yes you got it there fear and love um, the two primary emotions that we encounter firstly let's begin with consciousness again and what modern science calls the pineal gland this third eye and what an africa an africa was called the eye of the heart it's not necessarily sitting in the physical heart mm. in terms of the emotions and that at this change of our cosmic cycle this eye of the heart or this pineal gland is calcified closed up this is our cosmic timer in our bodies this third eye and this third eye desire the heart is now opening up this is a scientific understanding and what that means is that with this third eye opening it is reconstituting our bodies biochemically we are being rewired this is happening whether we like it or not or whether accepted at the stage or not this is opening up this is the heart coming back and this is also the end of a long fear cycle 
fear, love, metaphorically. That was well understood in Africa. So we are at this critical stage in our being human. We are coming out of the small Piscean cycle of following. We are coming to the end of a very long 13,000-year fear cycle. We are changing biochemically. And in this short space of time, we can no longer consume the food which you mentioned that we used to. We cannot take the emotions that we have encountered. We are changing right now. It's a relatively short time. We've been in this, what you call the hippie or the freedom or the movement, that reclamation of our deeper spirit. And it starts in the body, so we're not eating the foods. We are not concerned with the old ways to gather as much, as quick as possible. We know that that is destructive. These are the subconscious things that we are feeling and it's happening in our bodies. We are dressing in different ways. There's a freedom happening. It is a hippie revival, if you want to call it that, that is taking place right now. And it is a deeper consideration for everything that is now emerging suddenly. What a radical change. It's like going from ice into moist, evaporating. Radical change in our bodies. And this is all happening at a time where all of our histories, all of our previous knowledge, especially the last 2,000 years, the Piscean time of following, is being released. And we are finding our own truth. Truth in Africa. And this is Baba's teaching again. It's like water. And this is the very elusive one. We think there's only one truth. But he described it so well. Truth is like water in Africa. Water, this essential life-giving substance, has to move or else it becomes poisonous. Mm. It has become poisonous. And it is moving. And as Baba said, it will move because the heat of the sun cannot remain frozen. Because the earth is round, it will flow. And life is movement. And we are challenged now to move our old consciousness and to flow with the rhythm of the earth, of nature. And this is happening, like it or not. And it's manifested. And again, it starts with the feminine, bringing that balance back. Again, balance is the ultimate level. As he said there, balance. Our our universe, the swirling, swaying, turning, swinging universe of ours has one principle, and that is the one of balance. Balance. Everything, sound, color, frequency, light, comes about or manifests because of this principle of balance. Mm. Nature is the teacher. Nature, the teacher of the African spiritual essence, says that. Nothing can dominate, suppress the other. A respect, recognize, accept the other. Whatever other, be it gender, race, nationalities, or religions, or whatever that's been so conflictual in the Piscean age of duality, right and wrong, black and white, yes and no. This is all now merging into, others call it a confusing state, yeah. but into a unity. Away from the source, like we spoke about the blood soul, 
and back to source, its creative source. We are now moving back to this creative source, this balanced state, and removing all the gross imbalances. And that can only happen in the heart. The Mm -hmm. heart is where the ultimate truth lies, not the mind. The mind is always uh, rationalizing, eliminating, this is right, this is wrong, this is how it works. This is why I'm saying the heart is coming back and this is where the balance will happen. Global context, Africa that has retained that heart is returning back to the sphere to create our completeness. And our balance today depends on the three most suppressed aspects, three most repressed, suppressed aspects, feminine, nature and cosmos. This cosmos is the one, as I said, that is misunderstood, but this is the cosmic knowledge of Africa and that higher fifth dimensional knowledge that gives us that balance. But cosmos, nature and the feminine and Africa actually four that is now returning that with the most Repressed mm. are now the elements most needed to restore this balance. Now, I feel very privileged, right, to have been able to get some of the information that I, I have that has enabled me to, to change my life. You know, so I'm very grateful for my spiritual journey. But you look at South Africa's landscape with black people being the biggest population of the country, uh, being the poorest of the country with less access to information. How do we make certain information available? Because I feel like had we not lost the values that come with Ubuntu as a people, we would understand a lot of things, right? We would be in in a far better position from a community perspective because Ubuntu says it takes a village to raise a child. Right now, there are a lot of children who are orphaned and have nowhere to go, whereas before it would not be the case. Ubuntu says, you share what you have with your neighbor. We don't see that. Everybody for themselves. I am seeing how in the community of people who are in their journey of awakening, how how that is changing. But I also see how that is predominantly more white people. So it almost feels like black people mostly left behind again. And they will unfortunately be the ones who suffer most with this destruction that is happening. So how do we how do we bring more people in, more black people? How do we create an environment that can host Ubuntu, that can revive Ubuntu again, you know, where a neighbor cares for their neighbor? That's a beautiful way. Firstly, I think we need to look at Ubuntu and say that this was also a survival strategy. 
And these made these seeds strong through very difficult times to share, care, consider. That was survival. But that is the bottom end of where Ubuntu starts. And what we've got to do now is to revive the spirit. And with spirit, I literally mean the spirituality that gives us impetus. And this is the mountain of love. This is the mountain to climb. Some people, and I'm including the white European people, have entire mountain to climb to find this eye of the heart. Africa has been right at the top. They have come down to another level. But for them, it's not a full journey. They are right there. And when heart, this love, this new frequency that is coming from the core of our universe, that's a much shorter journey. They have been there. They know it. Others have to restart. And I'm going to tell a little story, perhaps that will give this context of climbing the mountain of love. Where humanity currently resides is at the bottom of the mountain where the river is. The river being the source of life, the economy, the money. And this is this three-dimensional perspective. When you're standing close to the source of money or life, and you look at the water. The water is a limited resource. It's finite, left to right, opposing in this Piscean age. And you don't want to move from this water because you don't want to lose your river frontage advantage. You want to tap from that source quickly, as fast as you can. And from that dimension, this water is completely flat. You can put a uh, water spirit level on it. You can measure it, a spirit level. How beautiful. And measure this water and see it's completely flat. Then when you start climbing the mountain, you get to the second stage halfway up the mountain and you look at the source of life, this river, and you see, ah, it's slightly curving at the edges. This is strange. And when you climb the mountain right to the top, and you look at this same finite river life resource or economy or money or whatever you can, you see it's infinite. It's actually completely round, held in an earthly ball. Now this vision of this complete round ball, the infiniteness of life and the unity of everything. You cannot see when you're down there. You can only see this with the eye of the heart from the top inner vision or insight. Now, this is where Africa is, seeing this completeness. Not for you up there in the mountain to go down there and tell the people, hey, this river is completely wrong. Mm. They will think you're insane. To say everything is held in unity, that's insane. Not possible. You're, look, let me show you, it's completely flat. You cannot argue. But now many people are starting to see our survival is not down there at this finite sort which we got to compete and outwit and outplay the other four. It's not there. We've got to seek higher ground. Mm. 
And as we go up to higher ground, we find already other people climbing the same mountain. This resource, the scarcity consciousness, this finiteness, this let's compete out with the others, is no longer. And we've got to get away from the river because there's a flood coming. We've got to seek higher ground. Mm. We've got to find this eye of the heart. This is where Africa leads. It's mm. known that heart. The other people have got to find it from scratch. Search it. Africa, Ubuntu, care, share, consideration, the unity of everything. Not the separation, but the unity of everything. We are great gravitating back to this unity vision, this eye of the heart. And Ubuntu not only needs to revive or be revived at that street level of survival, but that spiritual level. And this is where, out of this age of following, out of this blindly following religious thing, and I'm not criticizing anything, everything has value, We've got to find the spirit again, our human spirit. And this is the one that was retained in Africa. Yes, lost because of the incursions and the invasions and the uh, conversions, but Africa has never lost its heart. However converted, adapted, or even completely neglected the spirit Mm. for survival, it has remained there. And this is what I find when I travel into Africa, that there, this heart, even at street level, people that are suffering so much, you look at them, they stand with a smile, Mm. and you say, wow, wow, yeah, you stand, nothing, nothing, perhaps not even food to eat tonight, and I see that often because I live close to one of the bigger or biggest informal settlements and people streaming in there and they arrive with nothing with their families and they're smiling. There's just a deep contentment for being here. Mm. This is what I call the highest level of spiritual attachment. Mm. It's not taught, it's not someone else's. It's that happiness for being here and that acceptance of conditions and will flow. Mm. Now, we amplify this to much greater levels of economies and control and manipulation, masculine or feminine, or corporate swallowing and taking and going for that bottom line. They are not going to survive. They mm. cannot survive. That heartfulness, if you had to bring real heart into a corporate environment, even right now, you'll be ousted. Because that is so much hanging on to that old need for control. And to control, you've got to divide and rule. You've got to divide the masculine from the feminine, from the black from the white. Control. And this is the control. That's important to understand it. It's to look where it started. And that control started in Africa. And it's in Africa that this control will be released. And it's in this country here, the last of this continent's region to be liberated from many centuries of foreign control and ownership that this reclamation is happening. But it's not a political and economic one. That will be the result of it. It starts in terms of the spirit. 
That's going to be the overriding thing. And that spirit is standing up, is being released from those small religious cages, which was all control. And now this is happening on the opposite end of this continent, in the southern tip in South Africa. Mm. And this is where it's starting. And this is where it's going to spread again from. And And this Ubuntu that doesn't make sense. Come on, you you won't survive if Mm. you have heart. Let's keep emotions out of it. No, let's bring emotions in in order to survive. Let's find balance again. And it, it, it makes complete sense because we're seeing just how many young South Africans are being called to become healers, right? My only concern, though, is how ancestors are framed for many. You know, I was told over 10 years ago that I had to twasa, but I was not for it. And this was simply because how ancestors were sold to me just did not make sense to me. And it was... A relationship where I was told ancestors, if you don't do this, they're going to be angry and they're going to take things away from me. And that did not just make sense. My mom died when I was 17 and I know that I was the apple of her eye. So I couldn't understand how that woman who loved me so much would now as a spirit um, be so aggressive towards me and like so punitive you, you know, it, that did not resonate with me. And so, um, fortunately, my journey was delayed, but it was delayed in a sense that I got introduced to other forms of spirituality through Buddhism and, you know, just other practices that opened me up more and made me a bit more receptive to understanding and having that curiosity to really understand ancestors and their role in my life. Right. And I'm very comfortable. I know if I'm going through difficulties, I go into my Ndumba and I sleep there because I know they're there to hold me and nurture me. And so it's a very loving relationship. And I wish more people understood ancestors in that way because then more people would be reached. More people would embrace ancestors in their lives as opposed to the spirit world or ancestors being framed as these angry (laughs) forces, you know, that are constantly Mm. causing havoc in people's lives. That does not resonate with me at all. And my fear is that if people continue to get initiated as Sangomas with that belief, with that mindset, it doesn't really help with healing. Because there's fear attached to it, fear of losing material stuff, fear of, you know, there's just too much fear. And I don't know what you can say around that, uh, but I believe if if ancestors were, were really, if the concept of ancestry and, and African traditional healing and spirituality was spoken about in its true essence, you know, in its true nature, I think we'd see more people having an interest in in really getting to understand who they are uh, from an African spirituality perspective. Let us look firstly at a very broad understanding of ancestors. When you 
Drop your body, this physical frame that we've been in there. We then reach a higher state of consciousness, no longer limited by mind and body and circumstances. And then you are closer to the source of life. You are almost as an intermediary. And that loving relationship does not end when that mother or that person dies. And this is the beautiful thing, and this is what everyone wants, is to remain or retain that loving relationship which one shared in body whilst alive. But now that same mother or that father or whoever, no longer limited by this physical consciousness and all the issues, reaches the next highest state of consciousness, this intercessory level, and can then become useful and con continue with that loving relationship through this kind of information. This is the most beautiful thing. I, I think of that um, television series that was so popular and so emotional, crossing over, mm. where this, well, not a Sangoma, but a Sangoma and an and another culture brings this message from the beloved to the living and what, how they respond. Wow. This is what we need is that connection. It's not terminal. Life is not terminal. We change form and we are now opening up in our own consciousness to find this connection of love which is retained and it's kept in this family framework. Wow, how beautiful. When I made connection in my heart with my mother that I dearly loved and started receiving messages, this was the most loving experience I could have as this knowingness, this connection continues. And also my connection with my mother didn't begin in this lifetime. It had a long history of it. And this is what's happening now. And it will still probably have a long path afterwards. But by reviving that ancestral connection gave me that completeness mm. in life that we belong, we are part of. At family, as a group, as the collective of humans. And this is this whole revival of ancestors. They were competition for religions. And this is why they had to denounce them and make it the strange spirit being, this almost witchcrafty aspect to it, that people had to cut them out of their consciousness, which cut them out of their lives because it was wrong, it was bad, it was wicked. But this has now come to an end. We are no longer following religions. We're no longer following anyone. We are finding our own truth. And in that truth, we have the freedom, the soul freedom to go the direction we want. But the ancestral one is one that we now understand. Dealing with our lives, we return and we ask, and they provide guidance. That love relationship continues. Yes, sir, right. Because, you know, when I have got difficult decisions to make, I ask for their wisdom, for their guidance, you know, because they've lived before me. They lived before me. They know things, they know way more than 
I know. So I feel held and, and nurtured. Um, by having that relationship with my ancestors, I involve them in, in my life, you know. So after a long day, I'll go and sit in and have a conversation. And it really feels good. It, it feels good to have that place of, of belonging and to know that I'm held in love, with love. Oh, I want to come in there. I go back to that saying of Mandla Langa, individuated spiritual mind again that is as elusive to this modern mind at this stage it means that spirituality whether it's the ancestral ends or however you perceive it that individuated spiritual mind now this is when we climb to the top of the mountain where we don't see division or we don't see rights and wrongs and we allow and accept other people's ways of doing it. This is where that comes into mind. And remember, this is what his teaching was, is that we have come from grossest physical matter, densest physical matter, and we are transiting into individuated spiritual mind. This is not a little gradual changeover. This is a radical transformation. And this is what is happening transiting from this age, long age of fear. Fear was our consciousness. Man made fear. Mm. (laughs) Into transiting from ice as the truth has been held there. This is truth. There's only one truth. This is what you have to follow. Accept it. Don't question it. So many of us just opening up into this new era, this new period of love. Ah, oh, and love. Facilitated by the feminine energy, because that is the greatest imbalance in our mm. own bodies. Me as masculine, to find the feminine within me. What a revelation. What a liberation. What a, in my own physical body, to find that feminine and to allow it. It was so wrong. And so we not only... You know, the woman was abused uh, mm. physically, emotionally, and every way because we were suppressing the feminine in our own bodies. This is this whole fight. We cannot, can we afford to bring Ubuntu back? Will we survive? Mm. We cannot give away. We cannot consider. We should keep that suppressed. The mind can do it, but not the heart. This is why we are going from mind that could reduce and select and create conditional love or objectional love, and it's all conditional. And to release that into an unconditional love, not a love for objects or for other people or reserved for people who think and feel and look like us, skin color or religion or status or whatever, but an unconditional love for life. All of life. All of life. Everything in life, beginning with the self, a love for the self. This is this incredible times we end in. And we don't have answers, but we know we are getting to this incredible stage. And we can sit and have conversations like that. And there are different ways. And a lot of people will listen to this and resonate in different ways because it's individuated spiritual mind. We're giving a framework a broad direction where we are moving. Not this is right, this is wrong. Follow this, don't follow that. 
we have to find our own truth unless we find up in the mountain where we have this fifth dimensional perspective on life of the unity of everything which is the basis of Ubuntu but I can't go and tell someone find this unity, this love for everything this is a journey climb the mountain and climb the one in Africa where the divide happened and find this unity and find your own truth and when you find your own truth other people's truth doesn't offend you mm. But we that have is capacity so for this. That is so powerful. Boka, I could sit and talk to you literally all day, every day. <laughs> but the show has to come to an end. Boka, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences with me. And all the work that you do, I know you're also very involved in the community that you live around. Thank you for taking care of people. Thank you for, for sharing your life. Mbatu, thank you. Thank you for standing up as a woman, as an African woman, and reclaiming your ways and restoring balance to our worlds. This is what you are doing. We need the balance. Thank you. Love to you. Thank you for sharing your time with us today. I truly hope you learned something new, felt something, and were inspired to cultivate a more conscious life. I'd love to connect with you, hear your thoughts and stories. Please feel free to reach out. Our contact details can be found on monzm.co.za. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.